scripture this morning comes from Philippians 2, verse 12 to 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Steve, for being here. Steve is on our video this morning. He's been, he's a traffic controller and he's been up all night and he's here this morning. So thank you, Steve, for being with us. And, um, and Mel, I'm with you too and uh, kind of being addicted to these Olympic Games. It's kind of hard to say it's time to sleep now, kind of turn that TV off and just go to bed. But just one more, one more little event to watch. Uh, tremendous amount of uh, dedication by these athletes. I think we reached our 10th medal yesterday and our first gold uh, by Rosie McClellan in the trampoline. That's amazing, the trampoline. And, uh, and then I think our hearts were all broken and sad for Paula Finley in the tri women's triathlon as... Uh, uh, she came in last and uh, she felt so badly, but I think it endeared all of us to her um, that, uh, that whatever happened, and it uh, just didn't work out for her this year. But the, uh, the competition is fierce. The standards are high. Have you noticed this for character conduct? Uh, and that's rather refreshing in a world uh, where it's easy to let that kind of thing slide. And of course, uh, one of our favorite Canadian athletes is Clara Hughes. Uh, she worked very hard to prepare for these Olympic Games, but the results were not as favorable as I, I guess she had hoped. And uh, although we wanted the best for her and the best times, we were just delighted to see the skill and the dedication and the discipline of this lady. I've heard, I, I think it was Brian Williams who said that she's actually recovering from a broken back. So if that is true, and I believe it must be, we can further appreciate the sacrifice of this amazing woman. This is her uh, sixth time uh, at the Olympics. Uh, she lost last Sunday uh, to uh, Marion Voss of the Netherlands in that rain-soaked uh, race. Uh, she placed 32nd. But she said, no, she said, I had no questions if my body could do it. My body can do anything. It's a matter of if I was motivated <clears throat> and if I still had the discipline to apply myself and to maintain the focus I have in my life. I didn't know, she said, if I still have that. And it took about six months post-Vancouver to make the decision to realize that I still had that capacity within me. And not only did I have it, but I could improve on that. And that's really what brought me back because I felt I could improve upon myself. <clears throat> and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, she said there are really so many opportunities in, uh, in life that, I, that she could do. Uh, this isn't the only thing she said I have to do, uh, but this is something I have the gift of doing. 
I don't know much about Clara Hughes, uh, but I have to say, uh, whoever she is, she really impresses me as a person. She seems to be uh, such a person of quality and of character. Well, this is a wonderful opportunity this morning to consider the devotion and the dedication of these amazing athletes in London. And they're from around the world. You know, uh, we're all one humanity. Uh, we have lines that divide us, that mark off the nations and the countries of, of the world. Uh, but when it comes down to it, we're all one humanity. And hopefully, some higher aspirations and will continue to motivate us <clears throat> toward unity uh, and not division. I mentioned to the Compassion staff in Peru a couple of weeks ago that we would be cheering for the Peruvian athletes. And uh, when it got translated into Spanish, they just cheered like because they are so behind the 25 athletes that they have sent to, to London this year. They don't have all the resources and the training that we do here in Canada or the United States, but they have the pride of their, of their country, the pride of their nation. Well, as we look at, at a text in Philippians this morning, the text that uh, Melanie read for us, it's really an opportunity for us to view the discipline and the dedication of our journey with Christ alongside of the journey of an athlete who complete, competes eventually in the Olympics. What does it take? God keeps calling us to say, it's time to get in shape. It's time to walk with Him. It's time to grow. It's time to be transformed by His Spirit. So we're off to the gym this morning. I, well, we're already here. So uh, we're in the gym this morning. Uh, but we're going to the spiritual gym. And we get to think about the joy of working out. And there are some things that are different from Olympic training, and there are some things that are very much the same. So first of all, working the muscles to build strength. Uh, you'll notice the word work in the first two verses of the passage under review this morning. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. In our fitness crazed culture, people often refer to working out. Working out the upper body, giving the body upper body a rest and working out the, the lower body and then alternating again working out all week long. Some work out with weights, so others emphasize the cardio, or both. And in these verses, Paul is encouraging these believers to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And we look carefully to see that Paul is not saying, work for your salvation, or work towards your salvation, or even work at your salvation, Rather, he uses the word to work out your salvation. So a couple of interesting phrases here. Number one, to work out your salvation. And number two, it's God who works in you to work your salvation out and then to realize it is God who works in you. It's clear that we have a role and it's clear that God has a role. 
Paul is more than clear that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's our part. But he also says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. The verb work out carries the meaning of work to full completion, such as working out a problem in mathematics. We were in our home group. Oh, it's got to go back a few years now. And one of the gals in our home group, uh, who's an engineer and is good in math, and she said she was just having such a down day. And uh, so she, she said in order to get the blahs out of the day, she decided she would tackle a calculus problem. I mean, that is the last thing in the world that I would ever think of to brighten my day. Uh, but she said she, she decided to go after a calculus problem. And by the end of the exercise, she was feeling better. Like, yeah, life is great. This thing worked out. I mean, that, that's hard for, for me to believe. But working it out to completion and the joy of working it out to completion. In Paul's day, it was also used for working a mine, like getting the most out of the mine, getting the valuable ore out of the mine, or working a field. Well, the farmers would appreciate working a field, getting the best crop, harvesting, getting the best results from the crop. So you get the idea, work out your salvation. Get the most out of it. Get the most out of it. Salvation is like that. It's not a matter of just coming to Christ. It's a matter of growing in Christ and digging and harvesting and maximizing. And the heart that God gives us is to grow as much as we possibly can while we have life and breath here on this planet. So that we become closer to the image of Christ. Remember our image got distorted at creation or right after creation with the fall? But when we come to Christ, we are being restored to the image that God has for us. We are working out our salvation. We are being more and more complete in who God made us to be. We are growing in Him. Some people might use the word sanctification. I'd just sooner call it growing to be more like Christ. That's the goal of life. And the admonition is to keep growing and to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not to be interpreted with lots of anxiety, but with humility, with dependence, and with an attitude of obedience and reverence and submission. And that's what Paul is saying. And folks, don't you think as the body matures, as the corporate body matures, that God wants us to be unified and unselfish and filled with humility? I think of this congregation, if you're, if you're visiting today, we're a fairly young congregation. We're about nine years old. And, uh, you know, I believe we've not only grown in numbers, but most important, importantly, we've hopefully grown in our walk with Jesus and being more complete in Him. And as the years go by, isn't that the goal of the corporate body as well? That TCC continues to grow and continues to be humble, continues to be unselfish, continues to be dependent uh, upon God, that, we're, that we as individuals as are lifelong learners and people who are committed to grow throughout all of life. So we prepare our hearts to be 
a lifelong learner and a person who has an open heart and an open hand and who is humble and dependent and trusting God. So we bring some things to the table uh, or to the spiritual gem of our lives. What is it? We bring a desire. We bring a humility. We bring an openness to grow. God, you can, you, here's my life. I want to grow. We bring a, a, a desire to get stronger. We bring a desire to get in shape spiritually. Ah, but then God brings some things to the table. Verse 13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So you see, you go to the spiritual gym faithfully and regularly, and God meets you there. He grows you up. He strengthens your spiritual muscles. And isn't this interesting? He does the work. God brings about the growth. We might uh, compare ourselves to a sailboat. What makes the sailboat move along? Well, we've got some things to do. We have to hoist the sail. We have to steer the rudder. But we are absolutely dependent on the wind. There's no use thinking, oh, I'm really in control of this, if the wind isn't blowing, because you aren't going anywhere. But when we hoist the sail and we steer the rudder and the wind blows, Amazing things can happen. So Jesus says in John chapter 3 verse 8, the wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So our challenge is to do what we can do to assist the wind to blow in our lives. We can't make the wind blow. We, we can't manufacture that. But we do know, as we sang this morning, that God loves us. And he's calling us all by name. And his heart is to help us to grow and to mature. And he gives us his spirit to reside in us, to help us grow. And when we come to him with the right heart and the right attitude, and we're humble and dependent, he brings the wind. And, and, and with the wind comes this wonderful growth and refreshing in our lives. The wind of God blows in our lives. He desires to work in our hearts, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Uh, so the spiritual project that we're involved in is a joint project. And by the way, you have a great partner, God, who blows his wind, his spirit into your sails. And, and the invitation is ours day by day to say, Lord, Blow, blow into my life, blow into my life. So uh, what we, we know is that we have to get to the gym. That's our part. Exercising, weightlifting, running, working on our hearts. And did you notice what a big gym it is? Oh, it's a huge gym. It's everywhere. It's in your home. Can you ever get a good workout in your own home? Spiritually, it's, it's in the corporate office. You can get a good workout at the place where you work. It's in your school. It's in the church. It's in the home group. It's in the community. It's on vacation. It's wherever you are. It's a perfect muscle-building environment to grow and to stretch and to lift and to tone and to develop. And as we do... 
God builds muscles in us. God opens doors. God blesses with renewed energy and strength. God gives the desire. So first of all, working the muscles to build strength. Second, choosing a healthy lifestyle. Being healthy is not just a visit to the gym or some exercise program. It's broader. And you know what we call it. We call it a healthy lifestyle. It's all about making good choices to care for your mind and your body. It means not smoking, not too much sugar, eating healthy, healthy weight. All sounds so simple, doesn't it? Drink lots of water, add more activity to your life, turn the TV off, go out for a walk, eat more fruit, fiber. All of these things we get bombarded with. And they all sound so easy. But are they ever tough? I love my chocolate. I got into the chocolate last night. Oh, stop that. Love my coffee. Love my easy chair. But a healthy lifestyle. Well, bottom line makes you feel better. Makes you feel better. What's the healthy lifestyle as we grow in Christ? Well, verse 14 gets us underway. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and, and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. What does a healthy child of God look like in the world today? Healthy, vibrant, alive, attractive. I mean, you can pick out these followers of Christ as you walk through life. They're healthy, positive people, not complaining and bickering and arguing, but they're blameless and pure and they're living contagious, fruitful lives in a tough generation. And friends, don't you love that phrase, shining like stars in the universe? I love it. Not a very positive witness when we get trapped in the world of muttering and complaining and criticizing and finding fault. I mean, easy to get into that trap, not so easy to get out. A monk entered a monastery in which he agreed to take a vow of silence. He agreed to, these, to this covenant that he could only speak two words every ten years. Oh, two words every ten years. After the first ten years, he was brought before the leaders, before the leader, and he said, bed hard. Well, ten years later, he was brought before the leader again. And he said, food, bad. Ten years later, he was brought before the leader again. He said, I quit. The leader said, well, it doesn't surprise me. You haven't done anything but complain for the last 30 years. <laughs> Poor guy. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Now, none of us want to be criticized. And we all know that you can't be a decision maker in today's world and not be criticized. I mean, that's just impossible. Sooner or later, you will get criticized. But that's not the issue here. The issue is criticism over character deficiency. A large portion of our society has concluded that character is not important as long as the person has the ability to get the job done. So the important thing is just get the job done doesn't matter how you get it done, but not to God. 
Character is everything. Let not your character be such that people set you aside because you're a complainer, because you're a person who argues, because you're a person who's hard to be with. The issue that's on the table today with leadership and most of the books that are being written, you, you see that whole word character all through the book. Character is front and center in leadership, but character is front and center in Christian living. It marks a healthy Christian lifestyle character. I read the story of two small kids who were not being very happy on a plane, and uh, they're just little tykes, and their cries of complaint filled the cabin. And just before takeoff, a flight attendant stopped next to them and said with a big smile, what's all that squawking up here? And after charming the fussy little three-year-old and his younger sister for a few minutes, she bent down and she whispered very seriously, She said, I must remind you that this is a non-squawking flight. And the little ones went unbelievably quiet, which made everybody around feel better. But let's face it, it's a long journey when you have to sit in the squawking section. Likewise, the Christian journey to glory can be painful and laborious when they're squawking. Not to add extra pressure to parents when they travel. We know how, how hard that is to travel with young children. But this is the squawking of regular life. Healthy lifestyle. Paul says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Quite an indictment, isn't it? You live in a tough world. So live your life in a healthy way. Pure, it was a term to describe wine that wasn't watered down or metal without alloy. Who you are on the inside is powerful in this world. And when your life is pure and blameless, it speaks volumes. Often you don't have to even say anything. You just shine forth with your heart and your attitude and the words that are spoken are uplifting. Shining like bright lights, or the New International Version, shining like stars in the universe. Have you ever noticed when you come into the company of somebody that you don't know very well, and you see some qualities in them immediately that, that are just so attractive, like they just catch you, and you say in your heart, not out loud, but wow, I'm impressed. You kind of wonder who they are. You'd like to kind of unpack who they are who they are. You wonder if they're followers of Christ. Because even though you don't know them, they seem to shine. And the words that come out of their mouths are, are, are not critical, not argumentative, not foul. But they're positive and they're joyful and they're uplifting and it's so magnetic. It just draws you to that person. At night, you look up into the stars and you can see the stars. You can't see them in the daytime. But it's at night when they shine forth. Oh, that we could look around the world and see the bright lights that God has spread all around the globe. It would be inspiring to pray for that person in India who's letting her light shine, perhaps in a difficult environment. We would be privileged to pray for a young man in Afghanistan who's come to faith in Christ and he's trying to let his light shine in a, in a hostile environment. And friends, you know that there are lights all through Russia and China, and Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand and 
Italy and Germany and the Netherlands and Spain and Peru. Oh, there are some bright lights in Peru. My heart was just so encouraged to see the bright lights, the people who have such a heart for God. But you're a shining star in the universe. Every day you shine and you make a difference. Don't diminish that thought. Embrace it. Build upon it. And let your light shine for Jesus. Then, finally, celebrating progress. It's important to celebrate. And even when we move a few steps in the right direction, just to thank God for the privilege of growing and developing and maturing, and we celebrate what God is doing in our lives. You see the word rejoicing in verses 16 through 18. And Paul is just taking a moment to express his heart for the Philippian believers and to know that his time that he spent with these Philippians was so worth it. So worth it to invest in their lives. And he was glad for them. And he was grateful for their progress. And he says, I I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. What a blessing. At the end of the day, we all want that. That my work was not useless. Don't we? That I was used of God. Don't we all want that? That I was God's instrument. I mean, what could be better than that? And then he says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Perhaps, you know, he's in that Roman prison. He probably did lose his life there. He saw his life like a liquid offering to God. Paul says that his life was like a drink offering. Uh, so kind of a cool scripture here to offer Jesus our very best. Not the leftovers. We often take the best for ourselves. The best of our time, the best of our money, the best of our energy. But to be willing just to say, Lord, it's, it's yours. Do you have someone in your life that, like Paul, you're encouraging, you're mentoring? Isn't it wonderful to see them grow, to see celebrate the progress that they're making? And don't you agonize when they make poor choices? You've invested in their life and they make poor choices. And I, I thought of God how he must watch us and at times he must be so disappointed that we make poor choices and then we say, God, I'm sorry, and, and we, we come back and his heart rejoices. Uh, and don't you celebrate when we make good choices? I hope we've all got some people uh, in our lives that we're tending to, helping them to grow and praying for them and rejoicing when you see some progress. Well, uh, Tomorrow I have the privilege to get on an airplane and go to Michigan to see that little Audrey and uh, two other grandchildren and, uh, and then to see a, a little white ball that uh, during the day I'll be able to smack around on Michigan courses and, uh, and uh, just enjoy. So I'm looking forward to that. And one of the challenging times of, of the year is, is God's gym in the summer because we kind of get out of routine, we kind of get out of our schedule. And I'm a schedule guy, and so to get out of the schedule and to keep into re- in re- my own routine is, is going to be a challenge. I was thinking about this. How can we work out this summer? Summer that's half gone. Got a book that you'd like to read? You might have a long evening at home. You're on the deck. Maybe no mosquitoes. 
and you're stretching, you're sinking your teeth into a good book that's going to challenge you in your journey, try a good book this summer. Find one. Read. Secondly, start a plan in your mind to read through the Bible in the year, if at all possible. Try the Life Journal. You can get it at the back of the usher's table. Great way to grow. Keep the Word of God coming into your heart fresh every day, every day, every day. The spiritual workout of reading God's Word. Have you thought about being in a triad? A group of three men or a group of three women and together you help one another grow, you encourage one another, you support one another, you pray for one another. Great way to work out in God's gym to be involved in a triad. Have you thought about a home group for the fall? They're pretty much on pause for the summer. But we start again in September. You might have said in your mind, oh, just too busy. I don't think I could, I could get that in my schedule. But great way to exercise spiritually in God's gym, to pray together, to study together. And then serving is a, is a great way to exercise. Ushering. Oh, we need some ushers. When we move over to the new building, we've got another entrance, and we're going to need to double our ushers. If God has uh, kind of put a desire in your heart to meet people and to greet people and to be hospitable and make them feel at home, uh, let us know. We'd love to have you. We need teachers. I know Mel is asking for more teachers as our children's ministry expands. If you can help out in the teaching ministry, that'd be super. I think we still need a little bit of help for the soccer camp coming up in a week's time. Uh, talk to Pastor Norb about that. <clears throat> and then some of you have a heart to intercede, to pray. Uh, prayer walks. I'd love for some of you just to walk through our community, <clears throat> just to pray that we would, uh, we would be the church that builds a bridge to every home in our community in Terwilliger Town. Just to pray for those homes as you're walking by. And say, God, there's a home. I've, I don't even know who lives there. But I pray, God, that they'll be touched for time and eternity by the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's your next step in spiritual growth? Do you have a heart to keep growing? Do you have a heart to keep working out? And let God come with the wind, the wind of, to blow the sails in your life.